an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Okay, take your Bibles this morning. Go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to share something with you this morning that will help you, but it'll also give you an opportunity to know how to help other people. When you preach the kingdom of God, it's sort of a different, it takes you into a different level that basically that normal Christianity deals in, and you're going to have to explain to people why you're walking in that level and not pleased where you were at before, because where you were at before, to be honest with you, in my Christianity for the, about the first 20 years, it didn't really work. I mean, I was preaching, teaching healing. I was preaching, teaching peace. I had none. I was preaching joy. had very little. Preaching healing. Was sick all the time, but still was behind the pulpit preaching it. And I thought, my God, you know, this should be working. Especially if I'm preaching it. You know, it's good if it's, if it's working, you know. So praise God. So when I got the kingdom revelation, it changed things a little bit. So Genesis chapter 1. I'd like to talk to you a little bit this morning about the sovereignty of God. Because everybody needs it. Genesis chapter 1, look at verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue the earth and have dominion over the earth and over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that liveth upon the earth. Now, when you study this and you look at it, it really shows you why you're here. It shows you why God made man. You've got to put yourself, you're part of, how many of you know you're part of mankind? Hopefully all of you are. You're part of a mankind breed, and basically he's talking to mankind, why he created you, why he created mankind. In verse 26 it says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them have what? Let them have what? Now who's the them there? Man. So here's God, he's creating. How many know God is sovereign enough to do whatever he wants to do? So if he wants to say, let them have dominion, then bless God, he can say, let them have dominion, and guess who's going to have dominion? Them. Hallelujah. Them are going to have dominion. Now notice, it doesn't say, and God said, let us make man in, after our likeness and in our image, and I asked him to give me dominion. doesn't say that, does it? How many of you were there when this was spoken? Thank God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I thought somebody's going to raise their hand. Then we're going to have to pray for you before we go any further. But notice, here's God. What does he say? Let them. Let them as us. Let mankind have what? Dominion. Authority and dominion over what? Over the, all the earth, praise God. Okay, go to Psalm 8. Okay, Psalm 8, let's just start in verse 4. It says, When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, and which thou hast ordained, what is this man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you visiteth him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. We found out that word there for angels is Elohim, which means God. For thou hast made him a little lower than God, and hast crowned him with glory and honor, and madest him to have what? 
to make who have what? Us, mankind, let him have dominion over the works of thy hands, and he has put how many things? All things under man's feet. So we want to say, well, God's word's true, whatever God says, that's what goes, whatever God, until we get to points like this. But notice God said, let them, mankind, have dominion. Let everything be under their feet. So he's talking to mankind. This was his purpose. This was his will. This is what he wanted to have done. He wanted to make mankind. He wanted to have mankind to have dominion over everything that was on where? On the earth. Now, did man have any real authority in heaven? No, he didn't, did he? How many know God's doing well up there? Everything's going very fine from what I read and what I hear about and everything. It's really wonderful up there. So God put man here to have dominion. He created man and he designated him dominion to rule over all things where? On, earth. On the earth. Go to Psalm 115. All right, Psalm 115, look at verse 15. It says, You are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to who? Children. The children of man. So this is three scriptures out of the mouth of two or three scriptures of every word of this savage. So what's he saying here? He's saying mankind was created. They were put on earth here to do the ruling. They were put on here to do the reigning. He gave them dominion to do that. But God is in charge up in heaven. So man had dominion. How many know that Adam had dominion when he was created and put in the garden? He was over everything that was there. He had the authority. He had the dominion. He had control over circumstances. He had control over situations. He was the one in authority on the earth realm. But how many of you know he disobeyed God? He rebelled against the government of God, and when he did that, basically, he lost his kingdom, and he lost the authority that he had here on the earth. So at that time, everything changed. Say, everything changed. I mean, you check out the Bible. Faith that Adam had turned into fear. Love that Adam had turned into selfishness. Everything was reversed at that time because the curse was allowed into the earth because Adam allowed it in, and when he did that, he lost dominion here on the earth. So he lost the purpose for which he was created. Why was man created? To have what? Dominion. Dominion. Notice, whatever you're doing in the church realm and whatever you're doing in the Christian realm or whatever, if you're not exercising dominion, you're not doing what you were created to do. I don't care how much you jump up and down, how much you dance, whatever you want to do in the kingdom of God. The main reason, and none of that stuff's bad, but I'm saying the main reason you were put here was to have what? Dominion, authority. You're in a position now where you have authority over all your circumstances and over your situations. You're responsible for those things in your life because you're the one who has dominion here on the earth. People say, well, God's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do, and that's true, and he already did. He gave you dominion here on the earth to do what you want to do. But God, they think that God's in control of everything down here. And I'll tell you, I had a problem with this. Because when I was growing up, I was growing up in a religious background, in a denomination. I didn't really know God that well. I went to church because if I didn't, I was going to go to hell. Everything that I did was to stay out of hell, basically. That's the only reason why I did it to begin with. I had no relationship. Well, there was a time in my life where I had an older sister who I really loved and really enjoyed. And I was about 19. She was about 21. I was in Florida going to school. And she got in a car wreck. And at that time, she got in a serious condition. And she was semi-comatose, they called her, which means she was basically couldn't do anything for herself. She lived about another 18 years, had to be taken care of and all that stuff. Well, at that time, I didn't know God very well. Nobody had taught me anything that much about God. Well, at that time, I started going to God. How many know it's too bad that... Sometimes you don't go to God until, until your house falls down, your kids leave, your dog gets sick, and it gets 20 degrees outside, praise God. So notice, what did I do at that time? I started going to God. And all I heard up to this time is, God's a loving God. God loves you. God loves you so very much. God really loves you. And I went to God. I said, you love me so much. 
How comes you not doing anything because of my sister? How comes if you can control everything that you healed this old lady over here, but you didn't do nothing for my sister? How comes all this stuff? See, what did I do? I got to a point where I started doubting, number one, the love of God. Because a loving God wouldn't do that. I'm smart enough to know a loving God don't go around squashing people and putting in a semi-comatose station and killing people and killing babies and causing plagues and doing all this stuff. But if God is love, those things shouldn't be happening. So I want to say right now that God gets a lot of blame for stuff that he's not responsible for. And the only reason why that is is because nobody read Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and understood that there's some things in your life you're supposed to be controlling in your own life. Come on now. That it's not up to God. So I started doubting the love of God. I don't want to serve a God like that. Why would I serve a God like that? And you know what comes into your mind on these situations? Why? 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 And if it stays in there long enough, you'll try to figure out why. And let me help you. You're never going to do it. All you're going to do is waste life and years trying to figure out why this happened, why it didn't happen, what's going on. You'll probably know maybe in the next life, but you don't have to know now, and there's no sense staying there with that your whole life because it's going to mess you up. It steals your faith. It steals your heart. It gets you depressed. It does all these things. And back then, I was depressed about the whole situation. I was mad about it because that's what I had been taught. I didn't know that God was not responsible and in control of every single thing that happens here on the earth. I thought he was just, you know, it's like we were a chessboard. I was here now, and if God wanted to move me over here on this square, he'd move me over there. And if he wanted to move that one over here and put him over here, he'd put him over here. I thought we were like puppets or something. That's the way that I was taught. But when I understood this and started reading about the dominion that God had given us and that we are the ones in charge, why is the world in bad shape? Let me tell you why. Man's in charge. <laughs> Governments are in charge. And every government is trying to imitate the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God's going to come from heaven. It doesn't come from an earthly government. Every earthly government that rises up out of the earth, I don't care if it's a kingdom, I don't care if it's a democracy, I don't care what it is, sooner or later it's going to get corrupt and it's going to fall apart because it did not have its source in God himself. That's why we're here as kingdom citizens to bring a new government, a new government, and if we read Isaiah chapter 9, you'll find out that Jesus came back and he came with a government upon his what? came with the government upon his shoulders. Now watch. The government that's coming was not upon the head. The government was upon his shoulders. Who's his shoulders? He's the head and we are the So everybody thinks, well, Jesus is going to come back and change everything. No, things are supposed to be getting changed right now because we are the shoulders. We're the one that the government's on. We're the ones bringing the kingdom of God back into this earth realm. But you cannot do it if you believe in God's in control of everything. I found out that most of the things I was victim to before I understood the kingdom of God, I am now a winner over. I was living a victim mentality that I couldn't do anything about it, that I couldn't do nothing about the sickness. I couldn't do nothing about my lack. I couldn't do nothing about my, that's the way you are. And you go someplace and you fill out all this paperwork and they tell you what kind of character you got, what, what, what kind of feelings you got, what kind of emotions you got, then you're supposed to believe that junk. Well, how many know the kingdom of God will change all that? When you start studying the word of God and find out who you really are, all that stuff will change. You're an introvert severe introvert that was my report you may never talk in front of two people much less one because they're introverted i didn't know what that meant i had a picture of me i thought my god i'm introverted do people see me when they see me they see or do they see who i am why is that because the world's trying to tell you who you are and in the kingdom of god you've only got one source God tells you who you are and what you can do and where you belong. And he says that we have dominion, praise God, down here. So most of the church, 90% of the church is living in the God is control of everything. So when things don't go your way, you get mad at God because God couldn't possibly be a God of love if he's not doing loving things for you and he's doing other things for you. Has anybody ever felt like this? 
Come on now, every single person has felt like that. Every time something bad comes in your life, you want to blame God. That's because you don't have a revelation yet of Genesis chapter 1. We understand you've got control in these situations. And I don't care if you're in the kingdom, you're in Christianity, you're not in anything, you're going to run into trouble. But it's what you do when the trouble comes that makes a difference. He never said, well, you're never going to have any problems. Just be a Christian, come in the kingdom, and you'll never have any. No, you're going to have problems every single day. But now you know how to handle those problems. I'm not going to lose my peace anymore. I'm not going to lose my joy anymore. I'm not going to blow up when somebody blows up with me. I don't care if people stand there and scream at me in the face. I just stand there and I say, I love you. <laughs> you're a worse pastor. You don't know it. I love you. Cut that out. I love you. And you know what? Pretty soon the power of that love that never fails is going to break that situation off somebody's life and they're going to understand maybe they're not handling the situation that's I mean they're already stressed out and probably losing their cool and losing everything why do I want to join them I mean who jump in that swimming pool for gosh sakes come on now but it's always there isn't it everybody else freaking out I mean we got something going on right now people drinking too many coronas and getting a virus or something they said is that what they said is that what's going on I'm not really sure what's happening but that's what I heard is that what's happening no, the coronavirus. Praise God. The coronavirus. You know how many viruses are out there? Just because they give this one a name and 2% of the people have died when most of the flu, 20% of the people. I mean, come on now. And all they do is put it out there. And what's that for? It's to make you fearful. It's to make you fretful. It's to make you nervous. It's to make you worried. You'll be walking around with headbands on pretty soon, not afraid to breathe. And you won't go anywhere and you won't do anything. Come on, we're kingdom citizens for God's sakes. We have dominion over these things here on the earth. We're not subject to this stuff anymore. That's who we are, praise God. Like we told you, you're a son of the living God, praise God. So what happened? Man got messed up, lost everything. So Jesus went to the cross, suffered, died, went into hell, went up to Satan and said, I got the keys of death and of hell, praise God. Say keys. keys. Now notice what he said to mankind. I give you the of the kingdom of God. He said, I got your keys back. I got your authority back. I got everything that he stole from you. I am re storing you. How many know in order to be restored, you had to be stored? Come on. To be redeemed, at one time you had to be deemed. To renew your mind means at one time we had a new mind, but it has to be renewed. See, this R means putting you back in the place that you were. So this is the way mankind was created. This is why God put us here. He gave us dominion and authority, and everybody in the church wants to have none. Do you have authority? No, I don't have any authority. God's in control, and whatever God wants to do, and the favorite thing when I was there, and I'd go to spiritual leaders. How many know you want to go to a spiritual leader when you need answers? And I would go to one, and I'd say, what, what happened to my sister? I thought you told me God's a loving God, and, and this and that, and there's my sister. What's the deal? And his same answer everywhere. All things work together for good for those who love God. I said, they're not. I said, they're not working together for good. And he'd go to the next guy. I must have been the patented answer back there. Must have, some seminary must have taught you when you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Tell everybody that all things are working together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But I didn't go to that seminary, praise God. So hallelujah, I wanted to know what the answers were. I wanted, and that's when I really pressed into God and my life started changing and things started going on and I thought I couldn't be mad at God. I mean, if you're going to get mad at anybody, please, anybody, get mad at me. Don't get mad at God. He's a bad person to be mad at. See, but he is. He gets the blame from everything. A hurricane comes and what is it? It's an act of 
Everything's an act of God. Well, no, this earth is, is being right now dominionized and ruled over by people who are in the church who should know, praise God. So Jesus gets the keys back. He gets our authority and our dominion back. And he went to the cross for that. Say, so he went to the cross for that. See, and here's the thing. You can preach him coming as a baby. You can preach him going to the cross. You can preach the resurrection. We're getting into Lent season. We're going to go around all those things. But then you've got to understand that through the resurrection, the ultimatum was to get back to you the keys of the kingdom where you became the righteousness of God in Christ and got filled by somebody called the Holy Ghost. That was the whole plan, but we don't even go that far. We drop the Holy Ghost out of the sky, then we start over again with born in Jesus all over again. And then Jesus goes across, and Jesus suffers, and Jesus' resurrection, and we give the Holy Ghost, and we start all over again. Well, where do, where do I fit in that whole routine, do you see? But no, the kingdom goes further than that. The kingdom of God makes you the righteousness of God in Christ. It gives you the, the dominion and the power that we lost, and it's been restored to each and every one of them. You have dominion and authority over situations in your life right now you're tolerating. You're going to find out there's things in your life that you don't have to live in, that you're choosing to live in, even though you don't have to live in those things. And I'm just not talking about sickness. I'm talking about peace. All those things belong to you. Start someplace, praise God. Start somewhere in your life and start ruling in that area because you have authority and you have rule to do that, praise God. So what do you do? You have divine rights. You're a kingdom citizen, just like you have rights in the, in the United States. There's rights for you to do things, and those are your legal rights, the same way in the kingdom. You have a legal right, praise God, to live in divine health. You have a legal right to live in peace and joy. You have a legal right to cast the devil out. You have a legal right to heal the sick. Go to Mark chapter. Well, let's just look at that. Go to Mark 16. Well, I don't believe that. I know it. <laughs> Understand. That's why I'm teaching it to you. That's why. And I mean, you can take it and run with it, or you can let it go in one ear and out the other and just say he's full of hot air or whatever. But I'll tell you right now, it is work a thing for me in my life, and I like where I'm at with that, praise God. There's something about living in peace and joy the whole time that just is appealing to me. There's something about being able to stand in divine health and know you're going to win, praise God, every single time. There's something about laying hands on the sick and know there's going to be some result that takes place there. Why? Because I'm something special? No, because I've been given dominion, praise God, and I've got authority in this earth realm and over every devil there is out there, praise God. All right, Mark chapter 16. This is to the church. Say to the church. Say to me. Look at verse 15. 16:15 and Jesus said go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believes and is baptized shall be saved he that believes not shall be and these signs shall follow them that in my name hallelujah they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not even hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and what will happen? They shall recover. Now, is that in red? Come on, is that Jesus talking there? Now watch. If God's in control of everything, then I don't have to cast any devils out because it's really up to God whether he wants to cast the devil out or wants to keep the devil there. It's really up to God because God's in control of everything. So when a demon-possessed person comes to me, it's up to God. God's in control of everything. He can cast the devil out if he wants to. He can do it. Healing the sick, if God wants to lay hands on the sick, he can do it. He can take God. You never know what God's going to do. Are you sick? God heals some but not others. And you're just going to have to wait and see what God wants to do in this situation. He's a loving God, but he may let you die, but that's okay. He loves you anyway because he's trying to get you up there. And he loves you so very much he's trying to bring you do you see what I mean it's not that way he told us because we have the authority in Jesus name say in his name we can heal the sick we can cast out devils how many of you ever prayed and asked God to speak in tongues Lord would you please speak in tongues in the name of Jesus speak speak now no it says we will 
Now, who's it up to whether you speak in tongues or not? No, God's in control of everything. And if he wants me to, he's going to come in, grab my tongue, and go, So he's not in control of everything, is he? He's not in control whether you speak in tongues. He's not in control whether you lay hands on the sick. And he's certainly not in control whether you cast out devils or whether you don't cast out devils. It's entirely up to you. The Bible says, tells us to resist the devil and he will flee. Okay, where's God? Where's he in that verse? Well, God's in control and my son has a devil. And he's just going to have to keep that devil because God casts the devil out of some people. And other times he decides that devil's pretty big and he just better leave him alone in that person. And we have to leave him go. And this is the way our thought processes have been. This is where my thought process is. Well, if God wants the devil out of him, get it out of him. But it's not that way. Basically, God has given you the authority to drive the devil, to resist the devil. And in, in Luke chapter, well, let's just look at that. Go to Luke chapter 10. We live down here, and once we think we get born again, everything's done because all we're going to do is go to heaven when we die, and that's going to be it. But you've got a purpose down here. You've got a call down here. You're supposed to be ruling and reigning down here. Your life's supposed to be a lot better than it is this morning. Yes. A lot better, but it's up to you whether you go to that space or not. What else can he give you? He's given you the Holy Ghost. He's given you authority. He's given you his contract right here with his word that tells you what rights are in the kingdom of God. You're the one that's going to have to enforce those rights in people's life, and everybody wants to live in the God's control area. Well, you can live there, and you'll still die and go to heaven, but you're going to have some rough times, and chances are you're going to be mad at God when you see him face to face. I don't want to be mad at him when I see him face to face. We wait till I see God. I'll give him a word or two. Yeah, you will. You see him, you won't even be able to speak probably, praise God. You'll be going, mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. All right, Luke chapter 10. So this is even before the, before the cross, and Jesus gave the disciples his authority, basically, to go out and do things. Look at verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy and said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us in thy name. They were shocked. Some of you all going to be shocked. When you start using your authority and it actually works, you're going to be shocked. You're going to say, my God, I told that fear to leave. And you know what happened? It left. My God. I was all depressed. And I said, get off me, depression. And all at once a joy bubbled up on the inside. And it worked. My God, you ain't going to believe it. It worked. But it's never going to work until you follow the instructions of what God put here. The 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject through us in thy name. And he said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from where? Behold, I give unto you power, that word there is azusia, which is authority and dominion, to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over what? Over what? How much? How much? All the power of the enemy. So we're just not talking about casting out devils. We're talking about fear. Because for my Bible, God has not given me. Then it came from somewhere else. And where do you think it came from? There's only two. So when fear tries to come into my life, I ain't going to tolerate that fear. I'm not going to listen to fear. It, it'd behoove you to turn the news off. Just shut it down. Well, that doesn't bother me. Oh, yes, it does. You're like a computer. Everything that goes in is doing something to you and keeps coming in, and pretty soon everybody's panicking, and you're dealing with fear. Then you need deliverance for the thing. Hallelujah. It's true. But praise God, you've got dominion in these areas of your life. You've got rulership in the areas of your life. You don't have to put up with a spirit of fear, a spirit of anxiety. You don't have to worry again. Jesus kept saying, why do you worry? Why do you worry? Be anxious for nothing. Why do you worry? And we just said, well, that was a good suggestion, Jesus. We're glad you suggested that for us and we're trying our best. It's not a suggestion. He's telling you how to live in victory every single day of your life. He's got the manual on top. Do you see? The Bible's the manual. I mean, anything you buy has a manual on top. Do you know that? 
we just bought one of those, uh, what is it, air fryer or something like that and got the thing out of the box. And I couldn't even open the thing, much less figure out what to do with the thing. You know, but there's this little book on top and you open it up and it says, please read me before you do anything. And I looked and my God, that's like six pages. <laughs> Who got time for that crap? I'll figure it out myself. Chuck that thing, praise God. We'll just throw some meat in that thing, turn it on and see what happens, praise God. Now, how many of you know if it doesn't cook right or it comes out burnt, you can't call up Mr. Air Fryer and say, hey, this thing don't work. He's going to say, no, you stupid. You didn't read the instruction manual. And we've been the same way, have we not? We don't want to read the manual. We just want God to be in control of everything. I'm going to put this in here, Mr. Air Fryer, and you cook this steak perfectly. Let me just push a button, and there it goes. Don't work that way, see? Well, we don't want to read the instructions on anything. Well, this is God's instructions that come with you that show you how to operate the way you need to operate. And not just to set other people free, to live a life to where you're not affecting your physical body with stress and fear and all this stuff that hurts your physical body and hurts your heart and hurts your liver and hurts everything else. No, you want to live in peace and joy because that affects the body that you're living in. And he needs your body and you in your body. I mean, even you go to some funerals, my God. You could spend two hours setting the pastor free after those things. Well, little Johnny, who was six years old, and God spoke to me and just needed another angel up there in heaven. So God took him up in heaven to be another angel. How many know God's got enough angels? How many know you're not even an angel? You're a human being to begin with. That wasn't it, praise God. Are you following me? That's not the way it was, praise God. But they say this stuff, then everybody out there thinks, well, God loves me, but he killed my six-year-old kid. See, you can't look at it that way. There's, there's things we need to learn how to do, and how many, there's a lot of learning to be done. How many of you know that? So you want to start off with just the little things that you can do right now. I can walk in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and I can do these things because I want to rule and reign in my area. See, I take authority each day over both my boys, their wives. I release angels into their life. They're away from me. I can't do much different. When I'm around them now, they're at the age where you can't really sit down and teach them the Word of God anymore. You have to be an example of the Word of God. See, no matter what age your children are, they're watching you. Every second they're keeping an eye on you. Oh, something going bad in the church? Let's see how he reacts to this. Let's see if he finally loses it, if he finally freaks out, if he finally, and I just go on. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Sit down, talk to Randy. Say, hey, what happened? No problem. You know, no problem. No issue. You'll find out you rub off on people. Amen. When you stay cool and calm, all once they'll stay cool and calm, and they'll understand there's a different way to handle situations because we get in habits. Did you know that? There's sometimes you react to a certain thing the same way every time now for 50 years you've been doing that. Every time they say that, it makes me mad. Well, then something's wrong with you. Well, if they just quit saying it, that's not the answer. That's what we want to pray, though, isn't it? Lord, don't have them say that anymore because it makes me mad. And the Lord's going to say, well, when it stops making you mad, I'll have them stop saying it. <laughs> and then once again, you don't want to talk to God for a while again. But notice that's the way it works. God, every, every situation you run into, everything that happens, everything, it, it's there, and you're going to deal with it one way or you're going to deal with it another way. You're going to deal with it from a, a, a victim mentality with dominion in that situation and you're going to walk through that thing with no problem and leaving a mark on somebody who sees something that you did there or you're going to freak out like the rest of the world you're going to panic like the rest of the world you're going to go crazy like the rest of the world we've got to present something different 
if we're going to be appealing to the world, we've got to do something different. You know, and I believe in my heart, this is what witnessing is all about. I don't believe, you know, you can hand out tracts if you want to. You can, you can wear people down if you want to. You can tell them they're gone to hell and that they're sinners and they're going to go there. But most of the time, all you do is offend that person. Did you ever try ministering to somebody who's offended at you? Oh, Jesus, you might as well just pack up your bags and move on. But the whole church goes out there. You're a sinner. You need God. You're a sinner. You need God. Why don't you live like a kingdom citizen? And maybe in your job, they'll see something different about you. See, in, in my job, they saw me. I was always there at least 10 till to clock in. I was always there at the end to clock out and leave early. I was always there on my route doing my job. I wasn't complaining about this or that. If they had extra work for me, I was like, oh, my God, I do all the work. I did what I was supposed to do, and people knew there was a difference in my life. They knew there was something different. You're supposed to complain when they give you extra work like that. We all complain. Why don't you complain? What's the matter with you? Why don't you? And that's the way everybody felt. But notice, I live in a different kingdom. I'm from a different place. I operate in a different realm. I do things differently. I do things on the up and up. See? We do things the way we're supposed to do. And people around you will see that because there's not too many up and up people. Most people are down and down. But we up and up. So they're going to see that stuff wherever you work, whatever you do. You cannot attack people with the word of God. If you do, you're just going to offend people. You're going to make people mad. You're going to upset people. So you can't do that. You've got to do everything out of love. Say, out of love. And sometimes that's difficult. And how many know sometimes you're going to get rejected? And that's okay. Praise God. You just move on and do what you want. But witnessing is, is an ability that you do by your lifestyle more than just by telling somebody they're going to hell. Half the people don't believe in hell anyway. Half the people don't believe in the devil. Most of them don't even believe in God, so they don't even know what you're talking about. It sounds like sci-fi. But when they see there's a better life for them, there's a better way of living for them. They don't have to live the way they're living right now. When we have marriage counseling and they see our marriage, it's a testimony to them that they can have the same thing we got. And, but it's t- if she would just change. And then it's her turn to talk. If he would just change. And we go after the other. Well, if she would just do this. Well, if he would just do that. I mean, you go around that circle for days. If you get paid by the hour to consult, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> Because you'd be rich by the time that's over with. But that's not it. See, the change needs to take place in us. It needs to change on the inside of us. We are the ones, basically, that need to understand what the kingdom of God is about and how to live in that kingdom of God. Go to Matthew chapter 9. The Bible says, life and death are in God's control. No. And whose tongue do you think he's talking about? See? God wants you to be in control of everything down here. He wants you to operate in his laws and in his principles. He wants you to read the instruction manual. He wants you to live in victory. He wants you to do these things. It's all part of growing up. All right, Matthew chapter 9. This is interesting here. Look at verse 36. But when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers they are Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Oh, what's he talking about there? I thought God was in control of everything. If he's in control of everything, why do I have to pray for him to send laborers into the harvest if God can do whatever God wants to do anyway? Why would I pray that stupid prayer? 
See, because he's not in control. He needs your permission. Whatever you bind on earth or allow or, or disallow or allow, it's entirely up to you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, loose in heaven. So what do I do? I pray that there not only would be, now look, you don't have to pray for the harvest. They're ripe. You know what ripe means? <laughs> they're ready to be picked. The problem is with the people being sent out that they don't know what they're doing. So what does he say? He said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. He will send forth the people that know what they're doing into the harvest and get them out there to do something. But notice, you're the one who has to pray. Yes. See, why should I have any faith if God's going to do what God's going to do anyway? Mm. Are you have faith for, for prosperity? Yes, I do. Does God want to prosper you? Well, you know, it's up to him. He can do it if he wants to, and he don't have to do it if he wants to. Whatever he does, he, he does. And whatever he don't want to do, he don't do. Then what good's your faith? Well, I guess it's really no good. If that's what's true, that, that we're in control of stuff, or God's in control of everything, then prayer would just be a way of manipulating God to do what he don't want to do and to line up with what you want done. Yeah. Ain't that right? Yeah. Lord, I know, you, I know you want this, and I know you want that, but here's what I think. Come into my little counseling table here. Let me straighten you out on a few things. I'm going to pray for this, that, this, and that. And you're not even in agreement with him to begin with. You're not even in line with him, and you're trying to control what he's doing, basically. And God's not in control. You are the one that's in control here. See? So now you've eliminated faith, you've eliminated prayer, and you've eliminated authority. Why should I use my authority? Why should I use my authority and try to heal somebody if God's will and his control, and he don't want that person healed? I'm wasting, my, I'm wasting good time, and I ain't got that much time down here. I want to take advantage of everything. So it just continues to show you that he's not in control. But it's been taught because Christian people do not like responsibility. I'm living in depression. <laughs> I'm living in depression. Why? Because that's just where God's got me right now. Well, you can come out of that depression. No, God's got me there right now. And that's where he's got me. And that's where he wants to leave me. And no, no. You've got authority over that depression in your life to just get that thing out of there, praise God. If sickness, disease comes in your body, you, you continually attack that thing. You have a right, praise God, to get yeah. that down. And people say, well, well, he healed Sister Susie because he loves Sister Susie. That's why she got healed. Well, don't he love everybody? Then why wouldn't everybody get healed if that's why he got healed? He don't heal you because he loves you. He heals you because you got rights and you know your rights and you're standing in those rights and it opens the door for him to come in and do exactly what he wants to do in that situation. Right. See? God loves everybody. Loves the sick, the sinner, the down and out, the every. He loves everybody. So he doesn't do it out of his love. He does it out of a contract you got. How many people in here who get Social Security does the government send you a check because they love you? Because <laughs> your government loves you. Yeah, they sent me a check. Don't you get one? They love me more than they love you. No, you're too stupid to file. Come on now. Fill out your paperwork. Send it in. It's a legal right that you got from the government. And you be getting those checks and maybe even the back checks that are there, praise God. So kingdom is based on legal rights. Christianity is based on how much faith you have. Uh, if you're doing this, if you're doing that, if you're doing that. The key is you've got legal rights in your life and you've got the authority to do it. The problem is we want God to do everything that he's already told us to do, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, just go to Ephesians chapter 1. And now the problem with this when you get a revelation, it's going to be tough to be around people. Especially Christian people, because I swear. And you just got to remember that you were that stupid at one time. 
And it's not by anything great. You're not any better than them. Basically, there's a kingdom of darkness, which equals ignorance. And there's a kingdom of light, which means wisdom and revelation. And those are the, that's where the battle is. The greatest enemy you have on this earth is not the devil. It's ignorance. The things that you are ignorant of that's already been provided for you. The more you've learned, the more you've grown. When you find out you got the Holy Ghost, here we go. You find out this, the more you grow, you pray in tongues, there it is. all these things that you did not know before because the devil was blinding the minds of you so that you didn't come out of ignorance. That's what darkness and that's what light is in the Bible. The entrance of his word brings revelation and understanding and knowledge into you. All once you understand, my God, I can pray in tongues. My God, I got authority. My God, I don't have to worry anymore. My God, I don't have to be fearful anymore. I don't have to freak out anymore, praise God. I don't have to beg people for money, glory to God. It'll just come in as long as I seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Notice what the Bible says. If you tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. And now who's it up to? So in other words, I'll never tithe and I'll just say, Lord, I pray that you open up the windows of heaven and you pour out a blessing. You're in control. You can do that. No, not unless you tithe. Then the windows of heaven are open and pour out a blessing. See, what is it? Part of the instruction manual that we threw off and never read. See, and I'll tell you what, if you don't know the answer, you'll trial and error. Just like the air fryer. Well, put it on five minutes. Put it on five minutes, see what happens. It's not even thawed. Put it on 20 then. Burn it up. How could that be? This stupid thing don't work. Send it back. This thing ain't no good at all. No, he didn't read the instruction manual, and now you're paying the price for it. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 17. One of my favorite prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Say his calling. His calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power that if you pray enough, you will possibly get. And if you have enough faith, you'll have it also. No, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe? Well, what kind of power is it? Well, let me tell you. It's according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he's put all things under his, under his what? Under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the, I'm sorry, to who? God didn't hang on to it. it. Not all things are under God. No, all things are to the church, say the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So what's God saying? You need to get a revelation, man. You need to get a clue of the spirit of God that's on the inside of you. And the spirit of God is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is the same power that's on the inside of you. And he gives you a place here basically where you're at. Far above, say far above. All principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. So you have authority this morning. You have power this morning. You have all these things this morning. One more. Go to Matthew 17. Are you getting this this morning? Yes. One time when I first started studying the Bible, I got a, somebody got me one of these, I don't know, one of these Bibles where they got translations and people say what they think they mean and all this kind of stuff. And I, after, when I was learning this stuff, I came across one, I think it's called the uh, Spirit-Filled Bible. That's the name of it. Spirit-Filled Bible. And there was somebody on there who I'm not going to mention who was one of the top leaders in the Christian church at that time. And basically there was a thing in there that had to deal with the devil. And his comment was, yes, the forces of evil are part of God. They are not separate from God. God is everything. 
That was one of the footnotes there. He went on to say, Satan is God's controlled agent to bring about the character development in your life. God's providence clearly allows him. That was from one of the top leaders in the church. So needless to say, I took that book, and I put it right with that book. It used to be on top of my air fryer. (laughs) All right, Matthew chapter 17. Look at verse 16. Oh, we got to back up and read the whole thing, I guess. Look at verse 13. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. And then when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Good try, disciples. Just keep doing your best, and everything will work out just fine. <laughs> No, he said, you faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to have to be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. What happens if he wonder? And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, well, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove thou hender forth from this place, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible for you, howbeit this kind goes not out, but by prayer and by... Okay, so Jesus looks at them, and he said, hey, here's the problem. If you say unto this mountain, no, notice, if you say unto this mountain, not if I say to this mountain, not if you talk about the mountain, not if you think about the mountain, but if you speak to this mountain, what is that? Authority. If you speak to the mountain, what's it going to do? It's going to move, praise God. But this is a little tougher one here. He said, this one comes out by what? Now, who's in control of your prayer and fasting? God? God's in control of everything. Oh, Lord, seal my mouth tight. So I can fast for two weeks. No, it's your choice. It's your choice whether you fast. It's your choice whether you pray. It's your choice whether you pray in the Holy Ghost. It's your choice whether you speak to the mountain. It's your choice whether you resist the devil. It's your choice whether you get a revelation of what God has already given you in authority. The kingdom of God not only will get you healed, it will keep you healed. Christianity, you get healed, then you get sick. Then you get healed, then you want another miracle, get sick. In the kingdom of God, you'll get healed and you'll stay there, bless God. Because you know your rights now. Nothing's going to take that from me. Nobody's going to steal my peace and joy. Nobody's going to take the finances because i got divine rights in my life. And I've got the name of Jesus, praise God. And at that knee, every knee bound. Come on now, praise God. So what is it? We're a people of authority. We're not the Christians who take a chance and, well, maybe this will happen. Maybe it won't. No, you've got divine rights and you've got to start using those divine rights in your life to live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, praise God. And it's up to you. Say, it's up to me. See, God gave you something called a free will. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you got a free will. So you got to make the decisions what you're going to do in your life, who you're going to marry, what you're going to do, how you're going to raise your kids, how you're going to do everything. It's entirely up to you, praise God. But you've got authority. Say, I have, I have. Authority, authority in Jesus' name. In Jesus. I live in the kingdom of God. I am a kingdom citizen. And I have kingdom citizen rights. I have a right to live in health. I have a right to live in peace. I have a right to live in joy. I have a right to cast out the devil. No more worry. No more fear. No more stress. No more depression. Because I know what I got. I've got the name of Jesus. And in that knee, in that name, every knee will bow. Every tongue 
will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I praise God. Jump up. dynamic words, go to mytcbc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. So remember to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you.